from Vernissage Health. This is Built to Lead, a show where we talk to emerging and established leaders from all levels within the healthcare sector in the hope of breaking boundaries, inspiring hope, and redirecting views on what the landscape of healthcare leadership is and can be. Welcome back to the Built to Lead podcast, an IHPME student-led initiative made to uncover what it takes to be a great leader in today's healthcare system. I'm Megan Perrin, a student in the MHSC and Health Administration program at IHPME, and I'm joined today by my co-host, IHPME and MHSC alumnus, Matthew Goulburn. Last episode, we spoke to Shalom Gluberman and Simona Tungo about the worldly and collaborative mindsets. So if you haven't checked out that episode yet, please go have a listen. In today's final episode, we will be focusing on the action mindset, which relates to leading change. Today, Matthew and I have the pleasure of being joined by two of Vernissage's established leaders, John Yip and Sharan Isaacs. John Yip is the president and CEO of Kensington Health, a not-for-profit, community-based long-term care, hospice, and ambulatory health service provider in downtown Toronto. John has over 20 years of experience in healthcare, from leading system and organizational strategy and change. Prior to joining Kensington Health, John was the VP of Corporate Services at Health Quality Ontario, which is now part of Ontario Health, and a management consultant. John currently sits on a variety of boards and advisory panels, and in his spare time, he works on his hashtag Run Every Street project, where he's trying to run every street in the city of Toronto. Sharan Isaacs is the VP of Altum Health and Connected Care at UHN. With more than 20 years of experience in healthcare, His expertise lies in leading complex and large-scale transformational programs, and he finds great satisfaction in tackling challenging and previously unsolvable industry issues. His collaborative approach also extends to the development of unique partnerships, where in doing so, he assembles strong, interdisciplinary teams with a broad range of skills and applies a holistic approach to problem-solving that results in new innovative programs that support care delivery and patient experience. Sharan chose a career in healthcare as he felt an innate drive for working in a sector that aligns with his values and enables him to give back to the community at large. Our last mindset of the series is the action mindset, which relates to leading change, something that we are familiar with in the health system. Through this mindset, leaders are able to develop a sensitive awareness of the terrain and of what their teams are capable of doing in it. Therefore, leaders honing into this mindset help to set and maintain direction and coax everyone along. Often when something is changing, we tend to shift our focus to that change and conclude that everything around us is also changing. However, as Minsberg and Gosling state in their article, the reality is that change is not pervasive and that the phenomenon of change is not new. As we know, health systems are constantly evolving, progressing and changing, but many aspects of it stay the same for long periods of time. So as we move along, for example, here in Ontario, in our journey towards integrated care, as with many jurisdictions across the world, really tapping into this action mindset in conjuncture with the four previous mindsets will serve emerging leaders well. While there may be an overwhelming emphasis on action today, this cannot be done at the expense of taking time to reflect before moving to action, which we talked about in episode two. So in our conversations with John and Sharan, they both gave us some great advice for emerging leaders to think about this mindset. We spoke with John this summer in the midst of the Summer Olympics, where he drew various parallels between athletes and health leaders. Let's have a listen. You know, we're in the middle of the Olympics right now. Uh, So our uh, Olympic team is competing in Tokyo the 2020, although it's 2021. And, you know, there's a lot of parallels between athletics and what we do in healthcare and having that change mindset 
And if you think about our Olympians, they were ready to compete in 2020 and had to wait an extra year. And so talk about that change mindset. Your, your singular focus is for 2020. And all of a sudden you have to pivot and get yourself ready for 2021. And as I watch in awe of our Olympians, they are what I define as that change mindset. Having a focus, being able to execute, being able to step back and really reassess, hey, do I want to do this for another year? I've put my life on hold. I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit. And they're going to execute. Whether it turns out that we win a medal or not is actually irrelevant. Is actually competing, being in the moment, representing your country. So in healthcare, we don't have a four-year cycle. Our Olympics are every day. The small wins, the small medal podiums, no crowds, no applause, no TV broadcast. But I think that mindset really works well. It is that we want to execute. We really want to bring that consistent care day in, day out. Every day is an Olympic moment. And so preparing yourself like our Olympians is years of training. I don't think if I reflect back on my own experience is I didn't have that change mindset coming out of a graduate program. I didn't have the years of work experience. And I think over two plus decades now of working through two dozen, three dozen, I don't know, endless change in this initiatives, that mindset is critical. And I think there are some characteristics of an open mindset, not doing it alone. It's not all on you. Our Olympians have a full team support behind them as we do working in healthcare. We're not alone. Three, having those metrics that change. So you might have a metric, a goal, an outcome that we're gonna measure but it might be a long-term goal that in the short term, things change and you have to adjust. And so having that flexibility, but not changing the overall outcome, but those metrics along the way. I think a lot of people get really hung up on, I got to hit this metric, black and white, got to hit it. If I don't hit it, I failed. And I think if we look at our Olympians, they were ready to compete. They had to change, small goals, take a break, get healthy, reset, get trained up again. And I think that's, those are some of the three characteristics that I feel really will set the stage for those larger change initiatives. I think those are some interesting parallels to really get us thinking into that action mindset and headspace. Now let's hear from Sharan, where he was going to share his advice for attaining those small everyday wins. Yeah, it's something that I, over the last two decades, continue to learn from. Uh, and I think when you think about action mindset, uh, you automatically think about doing. And for me, uh, it's the, uh, what I've learned is rather than react and do is to pause and reflect. Uh, and I think that's a big piece of in that pause and reflection is a being self-aware on how, what you're bringing to the table, but also looking at the across the table at who you're either supporting or working with to understand what their needs are. And through that self-reflection, and understanding of that, uh, of, of who you're supporting, really understand the outcome. I think that's the first piece. The second is then being really, really appreciative of the balance between process and outcome. Uh, and, and, and where I've kind of landed over the years 
is really a, gone to the 80-20 rule of having some process, about 20%, but emphasizing in our, in our engagement, in our discussions, in planning and, and delivery around the outcome. Uh, and I try to use that balance in whether it be a small change or a big change, uh, that balance for me is important. The 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle, we've heard this quite a few times from our guests throughout this season and the last. So while reflecting before moving to action is the key to success, perfection is not the goal. And in an environment or work setting where change can occur all at once or frequently over time, if we aim for constant perfection, it can be very exhausting and get in the way of getting our work done. I think a lot of us uh, experience change fatigue. So while the pace accelerated, which can be fun, there's a lot of adrenaline, but the consistent uh, amount and volume of change can lead to fatigue. So one of the things uh, I talk about is uh, with my own staff is the pace of change. Yes, we have to implement these directives by Saturday, but hey, if we're not 100%, that's okay. Hey, if we even get to 50% within 24 hours, that's a win. So let's not really push it to be perfect. Let's pace it so we take an extra two or three days to reflect, to talk to our residents, our families, talk to our staff. Let's take a step back, not lose sight of what we need to do. If we're a day late, shame on us, our bad, but we're gonna take the time to do it properly and maybe get to 80%. And this is um, for you type A IHPME students, I know all of you are double A, triple A personalities. You have to be to, to apply to this program is 80% is good enough. And then the other question I put to our team is, when do you know it's good? Like, is it 100%, 120%? And I say 80% is good enough. That doesn't mean we're shortcutting, but that 20% sometimes takes 90% of the effort. Getting to 80%, you're good, you're good, you're good. It takes a little bit of effort, but that last 20%, you spend an enormous amount of time for marginal benefit. Now, it varies based on the situation, but pacing it, you know, flattening that anxiety, restoring your physiological response of, oh my God, I've got to implement this directive to take a breath, take a breath, and let's pace it out. So don't rush into it. Deadlines are sometimes are deadlines and sometimes are artificial. Uh, so we just got to really, really determine uh, what needs to get done now and what can be done a little later. That was really insightful. And as tired as many of us are of speaking about the pandemic, it's really important to touch on the reality that our health system has faced major shifts and changes during this time. It's quite ironic and funny how both John and Sharan had really similar advice uh, for our emerging leaders as we talked about this. I agree, Megan. And this advice song reminds me of Gelmo. So not Elmo, but Gelmo. Good enough, let's move on. And I learned this term recently at work um, where I was working on an innovative project uh, with my team. And one of my colleagues had to remind us that perfection wasn't the goal and that good enough was good enough for us to move on to the next phase of the project. And Sharan explained further how he finds balance while managing change alongside the 80-20 rule. It's, it's a balance that I think you've adjusted uh, over the years. Uh, I think uh, for me in the early days, before something becomes internalized and more implicit, it, it starts as a, an explicit set of, of checklists or questions you would ask 
of yourself or of your team. And as you do that over and over again, it starts to get internalized. So for me, some of the different frameworks, whether it be the ad card model of change uh, out of ProSci or Cotter's change framework, there's so many different models. I think what I share with my teams is it's important to have a model uh, and there's lots of pros and cons to each, but as long as you're following some type of framework to guide you, that's important. But I think where that can um, go wrong is if you're in excess, really focused on the model and your checklist, it's almost kind of you're looking down at your laptop and not looking across to the individuals you're supporting or serving. And finding that balance is important. So I would say in the early days, I was focused on the process and the checklist to make sure that I was covering my bases. And but really started to appreciate that was the 20%. The 80% were the outcomes and, and how you wanted to support an outcome. And you may not have that full answer, but you'd have your constituents and your stakeholders helping you do that. If I go back to your, you know, your example where you talked about the, you know, the mobile clinics versus the Scotia Bank. You know, in the mobile clinics, uh, there, there's this quote, and I don't know who it's from, but I still remember it. Uh, it's where change leaders can create solutions or help people find their own. When I think about the work that we've done in the communities, we're helping people find their own solution. We're bringing some capacity, we're bringing vaccine, but it is uh, our community leaders that we're helping to you know, find and create their solutions. Uh, we were there uh, to support it. It's Scotiabank. We were more about creating that solution and bringing that collective impact together. Uh, so I think we, you know, I've been very privileged to work both sides of that continuum uh, and know that they do come to bear uh, in, in these various situations. And it's knowing when to apply which piece when. The constituents and stakeholders helping you is key. And Sharan shared another story from early in his career and how it has informed him going forward. Really helping to support and drive an integrated model of care within UHN, supporting uh, our surgical and medical populations as we come and get out, hopefully move out of this pandemic into clinical recovery. There's a lot of change involved with that in terms of groups looking at care differently. Uh, when if I step back almost a decade ago, I was in that same position, not with the pandemic, but in, in helping to help drive and support uh, an integrated electronic health record across the GTA. 80% of the effort was not technology. 80% of the effort was the change, the people, the clinical sponsors, the, the teams on the ground that were helping in each of the organizations to make this a reality, to get the adoption of over 40,000 clinicians uh, uh, in a very short uh, time frame. So that was, a, I think, a, a telling point for me because it go, went back to the 80-20 rule. Uh, 80% being the efforts around change and engagement, uh, empowerment and engagement, 20% being technology. And so in my early career, early career in digital health, that was something that AI learned and continued to see the pattern repeat itself year after year. And as I you know, evolved, uh, took all of my learnings in digital health and I moved them into the new models of care and driving integrated care models, it's the same, uh, I think, uh, same pattern is uh, repeating itself. 80% of our collective effort is around engaging with our teams in the community, uh, in the hospital, to support the patient experience. Uh, with connecting GTA, we were supporting the provider experience and creating that provider experience would then help the patient. With integrated care models, we are driving a better, more seamless patient experience at these transition points in care, where we usually see gaps occur, where we see confusion and, and difficulty in navigation. And again, the efforts and uh, investments being made 
around helping to support the solution of that. And that, that comes back to change. As Sharon says, it all comes back to change, a transformation, whether it's for self, your organization, the health system, or society as a whole, we should all stop, reflect, and determine what adjustments need to be made. And there's always room for growth. And many times that requires radical change. Next, John touches on an unfortunate situation that many people still encounter today. I've been thinking about this a lot, even pre-215. Like, it's been a long, I've been here five years. I've been thinking about it since I started. Because one of the first experiences I had uh, in my first week was a racist experience in this organization. I was shocked. I was horrified, actually. Horrified. And I wasn't equipped back then to do that. I'm a management consultant. I don't, you know, the societal issues shouldn't, I shouldn't have to deal with that. That was my mindset five years ago. That's changed. Societal issues are our issues. It is the biggest, forget health links, forget OHTs. Inclusion is the biggest change initiative in our healthcare system. Equitable health is the biggest change initiative. Full stop. Um, so I've been at this a long time. I've learned a lot working with great leaders in the community health center sector who know a lot about this, know far more than I, and I've really relied on their advice. Equitable health is the biggest change initiative. Wow, that's powerful. I completely agree. Health equity is everyone's responsibility, and it's crucial to organizational health and population health. We're seeing more and more this concept of the quintuple aim. So adding a fifth dimension of equity to the quadruple aim. So you're not only looking at, you know, the value for the system, patient or client experience, provider experience and population health outcomes, but really also is this look, being looked at through an equitable lens through the determinants of health and equitable access. So I think that that concept of the quintuple aim has been showing up a lot more recently, uh, which is great to see. Yeah, that's definitely a change. I just graduated in 2020 and we were talking about the quadruple aim then. So the quintuple aim, that's something new to me. So it's kind of good to see that change coming. And hopefully that's something that people and more people be incorporating in their day-to-day work and organizational systems. I think so. I think our guests also alluded to, you know, large scale changes in the system and how when people think about this, they often think about health links and Ontario health teams more recently. Um, but, you know, these changes take a long time to occur. So these type of large scale issues, as we've seen through the past year and a half, two years, there's been not only an upheaval of our health system throughout the pandemic, but also of our social systems. And so how do you, you have to take an advantage and, and really use those policy windows, but there's also political will and election cycles, funding and innovation, all these things play a role in accelerating or decelerating the pace of change. And so looking at how for years, you know, there was advancements in the healthcare sector, for example, relating to digital health, might've seemed far behind other industries. And overnight, many of the perceived or real barriers were eliminated uh, when there was really no other option to provide specific types of care once the pandemic arrived. So I think that just goes to show 
a lot of different things have to align and barriers need to be removed or assumptions need to be challenged in order for us to, to move forward. And so I think bringing this back to how the action mindset causes for pause before leaping into action, I think how can emerging leaders, you know, how can we build our skills and capacity to prepare to lead teams, not only in a way that is reflective, analytical, worldly, collaborative, and action-oriented, but one that is adaptive, that's compassionate, that's grounded in health equity and the social determinants of health and that understanding that there's many things that make people healthy in the communities that we serve. And so one of my favorite Brene Brown quotes is really around daring leaders who live into their values are never silent about hard things. As emerging leaders, we want to create positive change. So our career goals should be grounded in our values. Our career goals should be less about our ego system and more about the collective ecosystem. We encourage you to put your energy and focus into a career aligned with your values. And for consideration, John Yip shares a great option. Uh, I didn't grow up in long-term care. I've only been in it for five years, so it's not a long time at all. But I'll say this to all the listeners, the students, please come to the long-term care sector. I think you're gonna come at an important era in this country where our mindset around how we care for our vulnerable seniors is gonna shift dramatically. I have confidence that right across this country, what has transpired over the last 15 months is a wake up call, not just to governments or policymakers, but to uh, communities, to families, what lies ahead for you and for me as we age. And so I think there are a lot of career opportunities that are going to emerge in this sector that requires smart, flexible, dynamic leaders like all of you who are listening. I wouldn't get caught up on the status of the organization or the you know, uh, compensation necessarily of these roles. I think if you're really wanting to make an impact to be a change maker, uh, this sector requires some freshness, some real creative thinkers to move this sector forward of the changes that are coming. So uh, hospitals, love them. I think you know we're great partners with them. I support them, uh, big fans of uh, what hospitals uh, can do, uh, but they're a mature sector. Um, while long-term care has been around a long time, I feel it is very immature and that the changes that are forthcoming present significant career opportunities for all of you. So come on board, please, we need you. They need us, whether that's in long-term care, community-based health, health policy, or perhaps is bringing change to our current hospital system. What John is essentially asking us is to be catalysts for major change, change makers. All the leaders we have spoken to in this series have played a role in positively impacting our healthcare system. And the common denominator, they are driven by purpose. So we invite you to reflect on your purpose and your values. Consider all the mindsets we have explored throughout the series. How might you learn to better reflect, analyze, consider worldly, and collaboration to create the positive action and change we seek? The 
This podcast is a companion initiative to the Vernissage Health Dialogue Series for Health Leaders. Thanks to the generous support of our partners, Associated Medical Services, AMS, the Dalana School of Public Health, DLSPH, and the Institute of Health Policy Management and Evaluation, IHPME, for making this podcast possible. Built to Lead is hosted by IHP alumnus Matthew Goldburn and IHPME student Megan Perrin. The music was composed by Sindhu, and this episode was edited and mixed by Madden and Mitchell Media. For more content and information, visit vernissagehealth.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of Built to Lead, make sure to follow, subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. We are building the health leaders of tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Madden and Mitchell Media. 